All right, well, good evening. Welcome to the Lift Church Discipleship webcast. Tonight we have a very exciting and special episode, special guest. Welcome, Jesse. Hey, wow. that's me. Jesse, what's your role in our church family? I'm our Simple Church Regional Director up in Guelph. Yes, you are, and you're doing an amazing job. Thank you, man. Appreciate you very much. Jesse was sent out of the Mac region a year ago and has just been doing a killer job leading. And so you're going to be teaching with us tonight. That's right. Kicking me off my spot, and you're taking it. It's going to be awesome. So... Uh, it's going to be amazing. What are you talking about? 20 minutes of rocks. No, just kidding. We're going to be talking about forming the heart of a servant in us today. <laughs> if you don't know Jesse, he loves rocks, but one thing he loves more than rocks is serving, and uh, I'm excited to have him talk about that. So get comfortable, text someone, invite them to join us on the webcast, and we'll be right back. I got something I got to tell you, so get ready for another breakthrough. So let me show you what I mean. I'm gonna say it all right now. All right, well, we're here with news of the week. And the first piece of news we wanted to share were the results for our discipleship resources survey. Thank you to everybody that's filled it out. And so if we could drop a drum roll, I think I was too excited there. I got nice, a little yeah. ahead of myself. Uh, so drop a drum roll, Jesse, do it with me. And our winners are Kiara from Guelph and to you from Mac. Let's go. Which uh, personally, I think you rigged it because they are two friends of yours. Yep. <laughs> so. Former Simple Church member when I was a McMaster and current apprentice in Guelph. So that's it's pretty all awesome. Planned. Yeah, it's all planned. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. Really appreciate your feedback and looking forward to making things better. One of our multiplication imperatives there. Uh, what, what news can you bring? I'm celebrating Dan Wilding and Gordon and crew for putting on these awesome Jeopardy nights week after week. Sounds like they've been really amazing, and I've heard that Gordon's a really awesome Jeopardy host, so keep on going with those. Those are amazing. Gordon is like everything he touches is gold. Everything. Dan, I just that, that mixture's got to be a lot of fun. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Uh, one of the other things we want to just celebrate uh, while we share some news is uh, the Guelph fam has been taking pictures during like a photo scavenger hunt on Discord. It's been pretty hilarious to see it. But one of the cool things was that uh, they were asked to take a picture of a church and you get all these photos of like yards and forests and people coming in. Uh, turns out our church has a pretty good theology of what church is. It's about people. It's beautiful. Solid. I've been hearing that Mohawk has been intentionally praying for people on their Discord server. I think that's awesome. Sometimes, you know, we just get all these people on the Discord servers and like, what do we do with them? Where do we start? I think we start by praying for them. What an awesome step to be taking, Mohawk. That's amazing. Keep on uh, going. Yeah, that's really encouraging. Uh, on a piece of news and an update I wanted to share with you, just this last week, our amazing kids team launched Sunday gatherings to support our families during livecast. Uh, we've been careful to figure out the best way to do it. We've been able to find a proper space and uh, discern a pathway through all the different rules and uh, constant changing uh, recommendations. And we're so excited to be able to create a space for our kids to learn about Jesus uh, in the context of our church family, but also to see our parents freed up so that they can focus on engaging in discipleship and bringing people with them online or uh, through other ways on our live casts together. So thank you to the kids team. If you have kids and you want to get them plugged in, talk to Alex Nevin on the kids team or Sophia will make sure to find a spot for you and uh, spread the word. Kids team gatherings from about 3.45 till about 6 p.m. on Sunday afternoons. Yeah, so awesome. And one more bit of news. 
it's that time of the semester again, announcing that we're doing Genesis and Proverbs in our next round of Daily Devos. Those books are out, and the cover should be up for you guys to see. And just a little bit of a bonus, we've got an interview tonight with the person who designed the cover, Emma. So stay tuned for that. That's going to be amazing. Uh, it's going to be awesome. Really excited to get into Daily Devos. You can check them out today on Amazon, so make sure you grab one on Amazon, or you can download a digital copy from Engage. Man, what a beautiful cover. Genesis. Fantastic. One of your favorite books. Absolutely. Uh, so... Awesome. Well, we don't want to hog all the news and all the things to celebrate, so we're going to kick it over to some others to celebrate what God has been doing in our church family. Here they are. Hey, everybody. It's Kiera, and I'm a Simple Church apprentice from the Gulf region. And today I'm celebrating Severn from the Gulf region and Nigel from MACB region for organizing a super fun and creative cross-regional gathering this past Sunday. Thank you so much for the fun and bringing us together in unity and in church family. Hi everyone, my name is Sophia and I'm from the Brock region. Today I'm celebrating the beautiful Laura and Rebecca and their simple church, just celebrating the SME called Tea Talks, which happens every Monday at 7. Really just love seeing the ways they multiply others to lead the nights. I also want to celebrate Aidan and his efforts in making sure the Brock U Hangout server is a place where people feel welcomed and also engaged. Thank you, Aidan. Bye. Hey church, uh, my name is Claire and I'm a simple church leader in the Mac A region. Um, I'm just today wanting to celebrate the Q&A sessions that we had after each of the four Easter series services. They were just such a great way to dive deeper into what we learned during the service and chat about any questions that people had. And it was just a great way to get to know each other from across all of our regions. So I had a great time and see you church. Awesome. Well, I'm here this evening with Emma Lalea from formerly our McMaster region and now our brand new Waterloo region. Emma, welcome to the Discipleship Webcast. How are you tonight? I'm really good. How are you? Doing really, really well. Glad to have you with us. So how long have you been a part of our church family and how did you first get connected? Yeah, so um, I first found Lyft when I was in my first year, the fall of 20, uh, 2018. And then I got connected into a simple church about a few weeks later. So, who was uh, who was your very first simple church leader? Believe it or not, Cassie Kessler, oh, who is man. now at Waterloo. That's awesome. If you don't know Cassie and Stephen, they're our regional directors at Waterloo. What a cool turn of events to have you back with Cassie in Waterloo. That's awesome. Um, so, uh, when when did you decide to? Um, kind of make the shift from our McMaster region over to our Waterloo region? And what were some of the contributing motivations for that? Um, as soon as I heard about the Lyft Waterloo launching, I was like, I knew right away I wanted to be a part of it, but I was like, oh, dang, I still have like two more years of school left. And by that time, like, God knows what's going to happen. Um, and I was considering... I was considering taking the year off this year, but ultimately I did one more semester at McMaster to make sure my apprentice was uh, like ready and she was really confident and like ready to lead our simple church. Um, so I officially started at Waterloo in January. And some of the main reasons for that, I think um, one that is close to, ho close to home. So I grew up in Waterloo 
And just the fact that I knew a lot of people here, obviously growing up and lots of people I knew went to UW, so. And a lot of them didn't know Jesus, right? So what a tremendous opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. What One of the things I love that you said there is just that you took the time to invest in your apprentice to make sure that they were ready. Thanks for having the foresight to do that. Um, that's tremendous wisdom. So what have, what have been some of the, the joys along the way as you've been sent to this new region? Yeah, so um, I think for me, this is one of the reasons I love Simple Churches so much too, is just um, how we're such as being a small region, we're just... Um, we all know each other, right? It's a small, intimate group. We're super vulnerable with each other. We have deep relationships and we just feel like, you know, we can walk in life together, which is just the best, right? And I mean, what better place to invite people who don't know Jesus into where they can feel safe, they can ask questions, they can be vulnerable and they can feel like, you know, they genuinely belong, that we're not just gonna, you know, shun them if they don't <laughs> decide to follow Jesus. And even with every- I love that you sew together uh, that sort of that closeness, but also the openness that that uh, that, that creates. Uh, yeah. What have been some of the, the challenges along the way? Um, I definitely say there's a lot more work and responsibility to be done. Like mm -hmm. everyone in the region has to pull their weight. No one's allowed to slack off. Um, and then I think for me, so I've often felt like God can't use me or that like, why would he want to use me? Because He's got like a hundred other people that are so much more qualified than me, but he's really been teaching me that like, Hey, you look, you're not perfect. You never will be. Um, but I don't need you to be perfect. I just need you to be willing to do right. You just need to listen to me and try your best. That's all I want. Oh man. What an encouraging word that the Lord is at the end of the day. So, so much after willingness, uh, that's, oh. Man, that's encouraging. What what would you say is like one major takeaway that you can take that you would encourage our church to take away from your own experiences thus far being sent to a tilling region? I would say um, the idea of being sent to a, a different region is really not as scary as it seems. Like in the in the grand scheme of things, like it's really not that different. Like, sure, there might be new people you're with, like different people in the family, different housing. But ultimately, like you're still living out on the exact same mission with your family in Christ, even if it's yeah, like, different people. And just that God can make you like a home or he can make you feel at home wherever you are. And he will use you wherever you are. You just need to be willing to listen and then to go. That is so encouraging. And I think really timely as in the next couple of months, we're going to be sending Shane to Mississauga to launch uh, our University of Toronto, Mississauga region, and also praying that the Lord would continue to raise up uh, passionate disciple makers who would be even willing to go pioneer ground on their own or with a couple of others. So uh, that is an important encouragement, I think, for us to hear that, you know, the Lord will take those who are willing, but at the end of the day, it's actually uh, kind of a joy to walk it out in family. And so thank you, Emma, for being such an encouragement for us tonight. Thank you for being willing to champion what's happening at Waterloo. And uh, to the Waterloo family, just want you guys to know that we're cheering for you. We love you. And uh, let me just take a moment and pray for you guys and pray for you, Emma. Jesus, thank you for our sister, Emma, who's just been so faithful to serve in so many different roles and areas, but more than anything has been so faithful to point people to you. And Lord, I pray that as she continues to put herself out there, to um, to stretch herself, to uh, 
push yourself to accept responsibility, uh, to preach the gospel in Waterloo, Lord, that you would give her boldness, that you'd give her courage, that you would give her perseverance, that you'd give her grit, Jesus, uh, that we would see many, many, many people come to a saving, redeeming, life-giving knowledge of how good you are, Jesus, in Waterloo region. Lord, we pray for our church that you would continue to raise up new people to be sent to new regions, Jesus, that the gospel would spread further and further. Amen. Amen. All right, we'll be right back with Discipleship of the Week. Awesome. Well, I wanted to just give you a quick update on a discipleship resource that is really timely and really important. And we have done a fair bit of work developing, and it's the Critical Theory Discipleship Guide. And uh, critical theory, if you're not familiar with it, is probably the dominant worldview uh, that is taught in the media and is also taught on our university campuses. Whether or not you know if you're experiencing or encountering critical theory, I can guarantee that you are. It's everywhere. Now, the challenge with critical theory is that although it has some elements that uh, are close to the gospel, it's foundationally a fairly anti-gospel worldview. And it takes a fair bit of wisdom and discernment to, to, to identify how exactly that is the case. And so to help you do this, to help you be confident in the truth of the gospel and navigate it with those that you're discipling, we developed the Critical Theory Discipleship Guide. Now to find it, you can go to discipleship resources on engage.liftchurch.ca, click on the filter by list, and then you can just search for critical theory, and then you can click the download button. And what I'm going to do is I've pulled it up here. This is what it looks like. And as you can see, it's it's quite a robust, detailed guide. It's not one of our super easy guides. We wanted to give something a little bit more meaty here. And so uh, it identifies some core things about what the gospel has to say uh, about a worldview as a whole, but then it also uses the gospel to critique critical theory, to expose some of the good parts, but also some of the really dangerous parts, and then provides some clarifying instructions on how do we respond as those that follow Jesus, not a worldview that comes out of our culture. And so I'd encourage you to download it, use it, share it to others to help them navigate how to find truth in a world that has not submitted to Jesus as Lord. And so you can find that at engage.livechurch.ca. All right, well, with that said, I'm going to pass it to Rachel Brown, who's going to bring our Daily Devo reflection today, and then Jesse will be up to teach. Hi, church. My name is Rachel, and I'm a Simple Church member at McMaster Regency. I'd like to share today my reflection on 2 Samuel chapter 15. In this chapter, David's son Absalom decides that he is going to overthrow David and take the throne for himself. And David, in response, leaves Jerusalem. Um, I think what this chapter is really about is breaking the cycle of violence and retaliation that's been happening this whole book. Uh, David realizes that if he stays in Jerusalem, um, it's only going to result in more bloodshed. So he decides to leave peacefully. Um, there's also this really beautiful moment where he decides to leave the covenant box in Jerusalem. And he says that he believes that if it's God's will, he will see it again. And I think that's such a great example of him surrendering the outcome of the situation to God. And I think this teaching of 
responding with love instead of violence um, and surrendering the situation to God is just made whole in the example of Jesus when he comes generations later and allows himself to be put to death even though he's innocent for the sake of all people. And so my prayer for us as a church is that we remember that we are not called to be God, the bringers of God's justice, we are called to be the bringers of God's love and to just respond in trust and faith in God in every situation. So that's all for me. Enjoy the webcast, church. See you later. All right. Well, good evening, church. Just in case you didn't catch it in earlier, my name is Jesse Brown. I'm the Simple Church Regional Director at Guelph. And this evening, I'm really excited to get to kick off our series of life and leadership lessons from the Scourds. In particular, tonight, I want to uh, share with you guys some lessons about how God has for been forming the heart of a servant in me. And what I really hope to establish is the difference between what it actually means to find your identity as a servant and just between random acts of service. I, I think you'll notice a theme pretty quickly and honestly, some of the ways that God has been forming these lessons in me have been like uncomfortable in some situations, but just flat out embarrassing in others. So get your popcorn, Janefield boys, get your fries, and get ready for a highlight reel of some of the goofy and embarrassing moments that God has used to form me into who I am today. And to really start off the story, I want to highlight the differences between two different situations. First up, I want to flash back to March break in 2013, when I was invited to fundraise and go on a short-term mission trip. I got to join up with a group of Canadian high school students, and together we partnered with a local group of Mexican high school students. The idea was that we would go and serve in their community, and then they would come visit us and serve in ours. A really neat idea. Anyway, the, in Mexico, the neighborhood we went to had long been known for a history of violence and drug problems, and, but a few years before we, had, we went there, the whole atmosphere and the whole nature of the culture of the community had started to shift to the point where local leaders were extremely comfortable to invite in Canadian high school students to come and, and be in that community. And so what on earth are Canadian high school students supposed to be able to do when, you know, these chronically awkward high school students, how are they going to evangelize in this context? Well. We put on a bunch of mime makeup and we went out into the streets dressed up like clowns and put on a bunch of wordless plays. And honestly, it worked great. We were basically doing live kids shows. The kids loved it. They would bring their parents. There were some really goofy and entertaining plays and then some where we were a little more heavy handed with the gospel. And really it just, it brought people together to experience the gospel and community. There's another story there that I don't have time for about me humiliating myself on live Mexican radio, but I'll let you use your imagination on that one. The second situation that I want to contrast this with was when I stepped into kids' ministry at a church my family had been going to at the time. Nobody in that church was stepping up to run Sunday school, and the team was just really getting desperate to find teachers, and so I volunteered. And I really can't stress enough how much of a nightmare that was for me. I was extremely socially awkward and... You know, from that season, I have undying respect for anyone who does kids ministry. Seriously, you guys are amazing. Uh, trying to teach other people's preteens for any amount of time with any amount of kids is just a profoundly unattractive job. And the people who serve in that way are, are doing God's work for sure. And really stepping into that, I was repeatedly humiliated. Lessons ended way too early. Games that I planned ended in disaster and chaos. There was materials going missing. I, I could go on. Like, honestly, what do you do when your Sunday school lesson ends 20 minutes before the end of the sermon and you're sitting there with a pile of rowdy middle schoolers? I was not trained for that and I was not ready for that at all. 
And I want to highlight the difference between these two opportunities. Don't get me wrong. Both were really good things that God used to further the kingdom. But I think the heart of a servant was more formed in me by teaching Sunday school than it was by spending a week in Mexico. In Mexico, I was taught to check my shame at the door and that pushing the boundaries of what is comfortable can be a good and life-giving thing. But really committing to kids' ministry taught me those same lessons and more. Servanthood isn't just about these big flashy moments where we feel really good, but it's about receiving a new identity for ourselves. If service isn't part of who we are, then our efforts feel unnatural to ourselves. They appear hollow and empty to the people around us. And, and through the rest of the story, I'm going to give you a few points that really illustrate why I think finding your identity as a servant is really important. And so first up, becoming a servant is practical. Frankly, things just need to get done all the time. A house is built with bricks and mortar, as the saying goes. Someone has to look after the kids. Someone needs to make the food. Someone needs to clean up dinner. Someone needs to man the camera. Someone has to hand out connect cards. Someone has to welcome people. Someone has to book the event. You get the idea. These things are always going to need doing, and a community is going to fall into chaos when its people become complacent and let these things pass by. And in a culture where everyone sees themselves as a servant, this idea of complacency just is not a threat. But too often we end up hiding behind excuses like, someone else is going to do it, or it's not my gifting, so I really shouldn't do that, or the team doesn't want my help. And I think sometimes we just need to really get over ourselves and realize that these statements sound a little ridiculous. Kids ministry was definitely not my gifting, but they were struggling to find people and the team was stoked to have me there, even if it meant that there was going to be some extra chaos. And I wanna really highlight this with one of Jesus's parables. Matthew 22:10. the king said to his servants, the wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. So go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, the bad as well as the good, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. Now, imagine one of those servants hearing that from the king, stopping in his tracks and going, actually socializing isn't really my thing, I'm gonna sit this one out. I don't think that makes any sense. The king's servants are servants to the core and they obey their king. Our King Jesus has chosen us to partner with him in preparing the banquet hall for the feast, and that is such a gift but it means that we're gonna to have to do what he asks of us. And a church filled with servants never struggles to find people who are going to step up and get things done. Okay, back to the story. Things are about to take a bit of a turn for the worse. At the end of high school, my family was struck by a little bit of a period of instability when we had to leave our church of several years. We floated around for a bit and combined this untethering with some of my increasing individuality, my growing idolatry for some extraordinarily worldly things, and leaving for university being just around the corner, and you've got a recipe for an extremely flaky Christian. And if my walk with Christ really began when I started serving, my walk away from him began when I stopped serving. I walked away from the church because it was easy. I hid behind excuses of being too busy, of pursuing God in other ways, whatever that means, or, or taking some time off. In reality, I think it was just laziness. I experienced tremendous spiritual atrophy in this season of laziness and selfishness. Humans are not good self-motivators. I experienced that. And without church family, I just drifted increasingly further away. There's a couple important reflections that I took away from this time. Church provides the context in which we become servants. Without it left to our own devices, there's just no push. There's just you doing what you feel like, drifting further and further away. 
And that was me for a couple of years. And so I can say with confidence that that is no way to live. One of the best things we can do for each other is to call each other higher, to call one another to serve. And it's not being pushy or annoying to do this. This is how we love each other. Inevitably, my self-serving lifestyle imploded as you would expect it would. And I was left pretty flat on my back with, with nothing of value around me, no relationship with God to speak of, barely any friends, no community, no hope, no plans, no joy, nothing of value. And it was right at the end of this season, after a summer of kind of wallowing in it, that God led me to lift. I clearly remember that night. I remember being so intimidated by this idea of a church in a bar. Back in the day, church was in 1280 in the basement. Anyway, I, I walked laps around the entrance because I was too scared by the welcome team who were all standing there. I was too intimidated. And so I waited. Eventually, on one of the laps, the welcome team had gone in to sit down. And so I snuck in and tried to sit down at the back. And in the biggest non-coincidence of my life, the guy that I sat down next to became my simple church leader that evening. Lyft became a new home for me. And that was wonderful. But I really came alive in my walk with Christ again the moment I was called out for not serving and for being a backseater. Every week I would sit at the back, I would bolt at the end, I wouldn't talk to anyone or contribute. That was who I was. And I will forever be thankful to my leader at the time who saw this happening and called me on it. Why aren't you serving were the four words that I needed to hear in that moment. Obviously, I didn't have a valid answer for that and I signed up for setup team that evening. As God was showing me in that season just how desperately I truly needed him, all I could do was say yes when he put opportunities to serve on the path in front of me. And this time, though, they were inconvenient opportunities in which the time that I was invited to, to give up was much more precious. And that really gets to the crux of it, I think. If we only serve when it's easy, I'm starting to think that we're only really serving ourselves, more so than we're serving others in that moment. And it's a, another form of self-gratification in a way. Serving is ultimately sacrifice. And it's tough to make Jesus Lord of your schedule. I really get that. I still have piles of transformation to undergo in this regard, but it's so important to set our sights where we're going. Setup team at the time was a fantastic opportunity to shift my mindset of Sunday from consumer to contributor, but oh boy, did I make some mistakes there. For those of you listening who haven't seen the old McMaster setup, every week we would basically set up for a small concert with stage decks, huge black curtains, lights, the works, and I think I might be wrong on this. Someone can correct me or, or don't. don't. Don't throw this person under the bus if it's so. But I think I'm the only person to have com caused a complete pipe and drape collapse where the whole black curtain assembly just fell down right on top of the worship team. I don't remember who was there except Timmy Aguirre. I'm sorry that, the, that everything dropped down on top of you. <laughs> and for anyone who's leading a simple church right now, I think you'll empathize with this. I've led some really awkward huddles. Those moments where you ask a question that just falls flat, or you forget your point halfway through the sentence, or you say something and everyone disagrees. I've had a ton of conversations that have gone not the way I wanted them to go. I've offended a load of people. I have said an absolute ton of stupid stuff, and I've been at a loss for words more time than I can count. And I don't say these things to put myself down. I just want to acknowledge that I've made mistakes and to say to anyone out there who thinks that they have to perform or be a good leader to be loved in the church that that's just not true at all, and I'm proof of that. But here's where my second point become about why becoming a servant is important, and that is that becoming a servant is worship. And over the last few years, as God has taught me just truly how dependent on him that I am, 
I've had no choice but to respond when he puts things in front of me. But why continue to serve when we're making mistakes left and right or we feel kind of out of place? And it's because it's how we worship God. To serve God is to worship him and to worship him is to serve him. Serving his worship just isn't just an added bonus, but it's a core piece of our created identity. Listen to this from Genesis 2.15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. As we spend a bit more time in Genesis in the months to come, I think we'll see there's a lot of beauty in Genesis, and this is just an example of it. But humans are created to, to work, to tend to this garden and to serve. And there's a really cool linguistic idea that I want to point out. In Hebrew, the root of the word translated as work is also the same as the word, root of the word translated as worship, which is avodah. To the Hebrew writer, work and worship are so intertwined that the same word can apply to both. Now listen to how it sounds with the word swapped. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to worship in it and take care of it. You'll find this this uh, idea throughout the Old Testament. Try just picking a random verse that's about serving God and swap out serve and worship. Take Psalm 85.8 as an example. I will listen to what God the Lord says. He promises peace to his people, his faithful servants. Or, I will listen to what God the Lord says. He promises peace to his people, his faithful worshipers. The people of God have always found their identity as people who worship and work for God. Just read read the Psalms. I don't think I can repeat this enough. God's people have an identity as servants and worshipers. And the story of God's people shows us that the ideal response to God working in our lives is simultaneous worship and service. All right, let's finish up the story. Last year, I stepped up to Simple Church Regional Direct at Guelph in the midst of a season where God's hand was just so evidently guiding me. And it wasn't just in providing a way for me to be there, but it was also in, in shutting down alternatives and through a long process of discernment where I involved so many different people in the church. Thank you to everyone who sat down to have conversations with me about where I'm going next year. I can't even count the number. But it was the hand of God that brought me to Guelph, and I'm confident in that. But I also want to be honest with how difficult it has been to grow into the role of Scurd. Thank you to everyone in Guelph and, and elsewhere who's patiently walking alongside me as I grow. There's some pieces of the role that really come naturally where I'm thriving, and there's some where there's just a whole pile of transformation that has had to, that has had, I've had to go through. Take one example. Just owning my voice as a leader is somewhat unnatural. I'm not used to that so much. But to serve my region, I have to understand that... <clears throat> The opportunities that God has put in my place to use my voice, those are that's how I'm serving my region. The way that each of us, oh, and this isn't just something for people in formal, formal leadership roles or something for a few, but this is this applies to everyone always. The way that we live our lives, which includes the things that we choose to speak up about and those that we choose to be silent about, is a huge part of how we use our voice to serve those around us. Recognize that you, whether you intend to or not, are using your voice every single day to speak into the lives of people around you. So own it. Use every aspect of your voice to direct people to Jesus. And that's what it means to be a servant. To have your identity be found as a servant every single day is by serving the people around you in those little moments that, where you are a person who points people to Jesus. This covers everything, from doing the dishes to being open with people in your home to just 
living the gospel on your sleeve in word and deed. That's how we serve one another. That's not quite the point that I want to end on. In the last year, I've been extremely privileged to get to watch people give more and more of their lives to Jesus, to see people changed and to see an impact start to be made in the city. And beyond just Guelph, it has honestly been nothing short of amazing to see everything that God has done in this church. And this lands me on my third point, that being a servant is awesome. There is an unending source of joy available to the person who lays down their life to serve Jesus. There's, of course, profound spiritual joy to be found in the sufferings that we face as we walk with Christ. But then serving can also just be fun, especially when we and our community around us embrace servanthood as an identity. When we're all in it together, when we're all working as one cohesive unit towards a common goal, knowing that we can count on one another, unity building happens no matter what we do. When your simple church comes together, amped up to serve, it's fun. You just unify. And for all the simple church leaders and apprentices out there who are struggling to lead your crew to serve, don't lose sight of this vision. Don't lose sight of this idea of seeing a simple church comprising people who have this formed as their identity. The slow process of discipleship will lead to the multiplication of servanthood into the simple church. It will happen. And when servanthood is an identity that we multiply, suddenly it's not about the little actions anymore, but it's about raising up servants who raise up servants who raise up servants. And this will have a generational impact, something that with time becomes ingrained in the culture around us, making it even easier to raise up servants. Let that motivate you. And this isn't just about getting someone to hand out hot chocolate, but it's about nudging people down a path that's going to lead to ripples into eternity. And I just want to end on the point that serving brings us closer to God as well. I don't think I could say it any better than Jesus does in John 15, 15. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I have learned from my father, I have made known to you. Jesus' disciples, after becoming his servants, became his friends. And that's, that's enough right there. That's the only incentive we need. When we lay down our lives for Jesus, we receive the greatest gift of friendship available. And that's my story. I hope that I've given you guys something to think about, and I'm excited to get into the Q&A. Jesse, that was awesome, and thank you so much. That was so encouraging. Uh, I think, I mean, there was a lot of pretty pretty powerful lines in there, um, but there was a line where you said something to the effect of when you walk away from serving, you walk away from Jesus. Uh, and that is profound and convicting and challenging on so many levels. When we walk away from serving, we walk away from Jesus. That's what happened to me. <laughs> <laughs> and man, that's just really, really beautiful. Um, and so uh, I want to encourage you guys, get your questions in. It's a chance to pick Jesse's brain. He's been on a, quite the journey with us as a church, kind of maturing from a not-so-servant to, I think, a really wonderful servant. When 
Um, you don't know this, but uh, when I first took you up to Guelph and we got chatting and we were trying to just, we were just talking about like what the future was for you and we didn't know what we were going to do for skirting. The thing that sealed the deal for me when I was like, nah, Jesse can do this 100% was just listening to you talk about the importance of a culture of serving. Uh, and I was like, that principle is like, well, is so foundational and so, like you can't force someone to understand it, but you had captured it. And listening to you talk, I was like, nah, Jesse's good to go. Um, like he has probably lots to learn on the, the leading the region side and some yeah. of the, the, but you had the foundational discipleship work had been done. And um, it has been such a joy because I think that that has served you so well because it means you didn't go in with lofty ambition or expectations that you're going to be the man. You spent in, and you've just approached it consistently to serve. And as a result, I think you've been joyful in your role. Um, and so just want to encourage you with that. So I did not know that. That's encouraging. <laughs> yeah. Um, so um, just dropping some news on you in the middle of the webcast here. Yeah. So seeing if there's any questions have come in. Oh, uh, Dan, Dan wants to know, uh, what's the most surprising area of growth that was required of you to serve the region of Guelph? Surprising area of growth. Yeah. Wow. So this is my problem with Q&A. It takes me a while to think about things. Mm -hmm. I mean, everything's been surprising, honestly. Like, um, I didn't know what I was really stepping into, to be completely honest, when I, I said yes. And so suddenly going like, hey, we're, we want you to like start throwing together things on Sunday and like just everything, like the ways that God has used me to, to, to some of the, the swings and misses in terms of like bringing people together to, to unify around like one central idea. There've been some times where I think that's, that's happened really well. I think our, our missional housing, that was, that was, all that was surprising to me mm -hmm. in terms of like, how do we get our people to live close together? But just, I think that went really well, and there's been some things that haven't gone as well. That's kind of incoherent, but honestly, just everything. <laughs> I had no idea, and I still have no idea what, what's in store. Well, I think actually that, that that's more apt than maybe people realize, which is that there's this myth of leadership that leaders sometimes know what they're doing perfectly. But so much of leadership is just being willing to keep showing up when you're not exactly sure what you're doing. Yeah. especially in a context of pioneering. Our church is a pioneering church. We're always carving new ground. We're trying new things. We're not trying to do it the way it's always been done. And so as a result, there's a lot of times where we're not sure what to do. It. Our leaders just say, you know what? We're going to figure it out. We'll show up. And so I think you're probably like, that was incoherent, but there was there was more to it there than I think even, even we realized. So some good questions coming in here. Okay. Rebecca asks, do you have any advice for someone that is struggling with taking the first step with committing to serving? Hmm. And there's a follow-up question, but um, if somebody's struggling to take that first step, yeah. and I'm going to get you to answer it on two sides. What sure. would you say to that person, and what would you say to the person discipling that person? Oh, well, I don't know. To be honest, kind of the same thing. Just any, any step. Just pick any one thing. Draw it out of a hat if you have to. Like, I think the point that God is really driven home to me is that it doesn't really matter where we're serving or finding the perfect place but just about saying I'm gonna do something like I'm gonna like honestly no matter where you're at the first step could be I'm gonna go do the dishes for my housemates today like that's that's a first step and to to somebody discipling that person is just encourage them to take that first step brainstorm ideas of 
like the small little ways where you can shift the perception of uh, how am I going to help this person serve in just the everyday pieces of their life. Mm. Yeah, it's like not the big moments. It's not the big role. Yeah. It's the little things. Exactly. Um, and I think the encouragement that I would add on to that is I think we got to go to scripture on this. Also true. Um, I think like Jesus' teaching on servanthood is 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 sheer genius. Um, yep. And I think a faithful reading of the scriptures uh, combined with the humility before the Holy Spirit will lead to transformation. Yeah. And so... Yeah. Um, I think when we invite people to take those first steps, but we're also processing in Scripture with them, not using Scripture as, a, as something to, like, hit them with, but praying that the Holy Spirit convicts them, like, out of Jesus' teaching in Matthew, for example, the um, whether it's the Beatitudes or later on, I think it's chapter 20, where he talks about at the first shall be last, th- those kinds of principles. Yeah, super important. I, those four words that someone said to me, why aren't you serving, that wasn't about those four words in that moment or that person knowing the moment, but it was about God's smacking me over the head going you've sat at the back for too long it's time to do something yeah yeah um just reading through here Ina asks how can we create a culture of serving in our simple churches um yeah how, how any any tips for people on how they could create a culture of serving in their simple churches i don't know Ina. do you want to tell me <laughs> i think my strategy at the moment is to try and model it as best I can and invite people to do it as well when I see opportunities to invite people to serve to do so but this has got to be something that's so ingrained in us if we want to see it multiplied into others like that's just what discipleship is I guess but start with start with yourself and and invite people into what you're doing I guess uh, that's that's really good what's some of the favorite memories you have of seeing people start to catch it at Guelph I've got a good one. I don't know if I want to. Yeah, okay. All right. Um, had a, a cool conversation with, with Andrew in my house about, like, what do we do when we're frustrated about someone not doing the dishes? And he was like, well, you know, it's important to, to not just, you know, like not do positive reinforcement with the idea of not doing your dishes. But there's still an, But I was saying there's still an opportunity there to serve this person And so where we landed on was, you know, he's going to do the dishes and then he's going to invite the guy who didn't do his dishes to come down and, and help out. (laughs) That was good. Love you, Andrew. (laughs) It's a funny, um, a funny story about that. Um, uh, but I will have to tell it another time. Shane wants to know, what are some of the challenges you've seen and experienced in discipling others to live out a life of serving? Right. What's been the hardest part? Well, I think I said something to this effect earlier, but it's it's not like getting someone to come out and hand out hot chocolate isn't the end goal. Like we're asking people to become an entirely different kind of person, and that takes a lot of time. Like it's it's just not going to happen overnight, and it's not going to happen with one thing. But it's going to be about the pattern of their life changing through time. That's it's hard. Like it takes a while, and that's okay. I don't think we have to get so caught up in the results of don't get so caught up in the results of, uh, like, I got this many people out to my SME this week. Like, look at the pattern of their life and see where where that's going. We're discipling people, not completing tasks. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. And approaching, I think, the way we serve that way. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Sort of a um, a somewhat nuanced question and and kind of a tricky one is, uh, 
sometimes what people do is they'll, they'll put their time in and then for whatever reason something goes wrong they get hurt yeah. uh, they don't like what's happening somebody offends them they're tired their career gets too busy and for whatever reason they've decided I don't need to serve anymore yeah um any, any thoughts on how someone could address that or kind of open up that conversation? Or, or maybe more simply, what would you say to that person? To the person discipling them or the person themselves? The person themselves. I think there's some room for, for, context, for contextual approach. But I think we need to just show people what's going on to lay out the, this is what I am seeing um, th- this, this is something that Dan actually taught me, so credit to Dan. But this is what I am seeing. Is this true? And if it if it is, like let's talk about it and let's address the root cause of what's going on. And if it's not, what more information can you give me to help me build out this picture? Like maybe there is legitimately more going on beneath the surface that's keeping someone from serving, or, or maybe it's just that their schedule is now too crowded and serving has been kind of pushed out and. I think, as you were saying earlier, if we go to scripture with with that piece of information and say, does that really does that really line up with what we see in scripture? Then I think the answer is is obvious. But like we got to be gracious and to take it to take it one step at a time. I guess what is this is what I see. Is this right? Mm, that's really good. That's really good. The listen and then the compare to scripture. Yeah, uh, that's that's really powerful, Jesse. Um, let's see. Uh, uh, Tiu asks a great question. Um, uh, how can it's not super related, but I, I think that this is something that you've done a great job of, which is how can our simple church leaders create a deeper sense of brotherhood or sisterhood in their simple churches? Just do weird stuff together. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't know. Just. What is the just pick the weirdest thing that you could possibly get your simple church to to do together and just get them to do it together, like I don't know, change your profile pictures to birds for an afternoon or I don't know, I'm kind of blanking, but just think like what's something kind of odd, what's like a something, just bring your personality. I'm not saying that you're weird to you, you're a wonderful person, but bring your personality <laughs> to your simple church and just. Be your authentic self and invite them into your life. Like, look at brother. Like, you you raise you get raised with your brothers. You you know your brothers from birth. Like that's we're in the church world. We're getting born into a new type of family. So we need to be raised with these brothers. I, I don't know if that made any sense at all. I think what you're what you're brilliantly highlighting here is this principle of uh, being. integrated into each other's lives in a way that you actually enjoy being together. Yeah. And as the leader, being intentional to create time to enjoy one another. Yeah. That made uh, way more sense, but that. Yeah. Uh, well, but I, I think, like, your examples were, were brilliant because they're just, like, they're so unique to your quirky personality. Well, yeah. Okay, so when I say be weird, do weird things, that's that's me. That's what I do to try and, and lead to or to develop brotherhood in a simple church. But maybe it's different for you. Maybe you have whatever is you you know whatever god has made unique about your personality bring that to your simple church and and live with your simple church in that sense all right there's a bit of a, a backstory here going on in the chat 
um, where I alluded to a funny story. I haven't told the story. I'm going to tell the story. It connects to your story. Okay. Um, there was uh, somebody uh, at the Rubik's, old, old Rubik's, came to me one day and said, Robin, what do we do? Uh, my roommates and I are having lots of conflict. Um, and uh, the person, I believe was Ina, if I recall correctly. And, you know, we're, we're just, you know, this person's not doing their dishes. And I said to them, uh, well, what you should do is do what Jesus would do, which is do the dishes for them. Um, to which they responded, right, Robin, so why don't you start by setting the example and doing the dishes in the Rubik's, which you never do. <laughs> and so um, a total, like, disrespect back to me. It was awesome. And uh, Alex, who was just new to our family at that point in time, was like, Seems like Robin doesn't have a lot of respect with the troops here, <laughs> which I probably don't. But uh, anyway, funny story. That's what happened there. Um, moral of the story is you want to serve, do the dishes. Yeah. Principle That's of the good. story. So, um, if you want to lead, do the dishes. If you want to lead, yeah. do the dishes. Um, my first boss used to call himself Chief Bottle Washer. Nice. And uh, I, like that. I always appreciated that. Um, so there's, there could be nothing beneath uh, beneath a leader. So at any point in time and, um, yeah. Seeing if there's any questions that are coming in here. So we've been just chatting. Also happy to help anyone <laughs> out with their geology homework, but, uh, <laughs> Jesse's offering to serve by helping with geology homework. Mostly he just wants to talk about rocks. So, um, All right. Well, I think I think we're pretty much wrapped up here, unless there's the last couple of questions that come in. Um, but I think those are really, really good. You know, one of the things that um, I would say for me personally, Jesse, if you were to distill my theology down to really two things, it would probably be the priesthood of all believers and the identity of a servant. Yeah. Those are probably my two main shticks that I return to over and over again. Um, and so to hear you talk tonight was just so life-giving for me uh, and encouraging. Um, appreciate you very much. So Levi has a question. Let's go. I've lost it. Let's see if I can find it here. Um, oh, how, this is a great question. How have you gotten past your preferences to lead in ways that you may not enjoy? I was just thrown right into the frying pan throughout my entire life and didn't really have much choice, to be honest. But I think what's this is going to come just from an understanding of what Jesus has done for us. You know, this this guy nailed got nailed to a cross for us, and so, like, I can go scrub a dish. I think I'm getting the better end of the deal, to be honest. <laughs> That's really good. Yeah. That's really good. Um... Yeah. Apparently, I had to ask that question three times. So sorry, Levi. That's uh, my fault for losing the questions. Awesome. Well, we just got some final chats coming in here. People have corrected my story. I'm not good at remembering the details of stories. I think the gist was right, but uh, the details have been corrected by the troops here. Fact checked. Um, it's important. Yeah. There's some dishes in the sink right now. Do you want to do you want to go do them? Uh, I already did the dishes in the Rubik's today. Oh. Well, <laughs> I'll do them again though. Okay. <laughs> Sounds good. 
Um, but uh, to many of you on this uh, call tonight, so many of you do have the heart of a servant. Yeah. Our church is just brilliant. You guys serve. This is, if anything, an encouragement to uh, to just keep running the race of, yeah. of serving. 100%. So, um, all right. What is happening? All right, the chat has lost lost control here. I'm gonna let you guys go. Thank you, Jesse, for being with us uh, on the webcast tonight, and nice to have you in front of the camera instead of uh, just watching online. So sure. next week we have another screwed up, and they're gonna be bringing something special. It'll be a surprise to see who it is, and uh, we'll see you soon. Thank you so much, Church. Love you guys.